Hey, give Jesus all the praise this morning. Come on. He's worthy. Has Jesus been good to you this week? Come on, give him some more. Yeah. All right. All right. I tell you what, he's been good to us today. The weather is nice. I tell you what, thank you guys so much for uh, sharing today with us. Uh, uh, you know, it amazes me on beautiful days like this in Maine that you guys come in here. We were, we were joking at the, uh, in the first service. Uh, I was outside. It was beautiful talking with the greeters and things. And one of the guys, uh, <laughs> we were just kind of joking around. And we are like, hey, when we build our new building, which will come someday, right? Um, when we build our new building, I got a great idea. Two words, retractable roof. And we're like, all right, all right. I like how you, like how you think. Although uh, I'm not so sure how that would work in February. But um, thank you guys so much for being here. My name's Adam Harold, and my incredible wife Tanya and I have the privilege of leading this church that we call the Refuge. We do it as a team. We are a team, and uh, we just say thank you so much for being here. If you fill out that card, I want to send you a card in the mail just to say uh, thank you for being here because you've never been more generous than when you share your time. You can always get more money. You can never get more time. So thank you so much for your generosity. And Tanya and I, thank you so much for being here. I do have a couple announcements if I can um, that weren't on the news this morning, uh, if I can share those with you. Um, the first one is uh, that today we're in this finale of a series that we've been calling How to Cast the, or The Art of Casting. And, um, and so we're talking about casting our cares on God and uh, that sort of thing. But next week, um, my family and I are going on a much-needed vacation. And so, uh, yeah. Thank you for that, because sometimes people are like, the pastor doesn't get a vacation. Uh, yes, he does. And so uh, next week, we're going on vacation. We're just going up north. We're staying in Maine. Uh, but because I'm going on vacation, I have invited my dear friend, our very own John Weller, to speak on my behalf, so uh, on God's behalf, really. And uh, if you know anything about me, if you've learned over the last month or so, you know that I love sharing my friends with my church. And uh, next week, I've invited my friend, John Weller, to communicate. And John was a youth pastor uh, before he became a loan officer. And so uh, he, he's just, he's a great communicator. And I can't wait to share him with you next Sunday. So you don't want to miss that. Um, a couple weeks ago, when I had my friend Brian come and speak, I had someone come up to me after service and goes, man, you really like to bring in good communicators. And I was like, yeah, I, I do, because... Um, I don't want you to feel like, oh, I get to skip church because the preacher's not preaching next Sunday. And so, um, so he's speaking. And then um, two weeks from now, I'm going to be in Bangor speaking for my friend uh, Matt Joya because Matt also likes to share his friends with his church. And so uh, he's, wanted, he's asked me to go speak, and I'm honored to do that. Uh, and as a result... Uh, the mama of the house gets the microphone in two weeks, so Tanya will be speaking. She's better than I am, so you definitely don't want to miss that week. And she's beginning a new series that we're going to be teaching together, and I can't wait to have her kick off a series, and uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be great. So um, all that in mind, my, uh, my, my watch is talking to me. <laughs> Uh, all that in mind, 
Um, I just want to point out that God is doing some incredible things in this place. Um, the leaders and I got together this last week, and we started talking about some, um, some vision for the future. And, and I just want you to know, if, if the vision doesn't scare me, then we're doing it wrong, right? And so the vision scares me a little bit, but um, I, I really believe that what's before us is the reason why we've got to go on vacation this next week. And so, or, so not this week, but the week after. I'm looking forward to it, as you can tell. Um, but uh, thank you guys so much for allowing us to get away. Um, one last thing that I want to kind of share as a, as a transition into into fall. Believe it or not, kids, close your ears, but school starts one month from today, if, if my math is correct. So mom and dad, don't cheer too loud, right? So um, if, my, if my math is correct, it starts one month from today. So you got one month to make the most of summer, right? So get it all in, but I want to, as your pastor, I want to encourage you to... Um, don't let fall get away from you before, you before you get there, right? So be intentional about like starting some rhythm of production, of productivity before you get to fall because otherwise fall gets here and you're like, you just can't catch up. You're behind before, before you get started, right? And so take some time, like, like start, like maybe start reading a, a new book, right? Do something to just engage your mind so that you're productive in the fall. And, um, and part of that is staying faithful to, to God's house, right? So, so stay faithful um, in the next four weeks, even as I get away, right? Now, don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't, like, don't be like, well, the pastor gets away. Like, so this is, a, this is a Sabbath. This is obedience, right? The, the, the rest that my, my family and I are taking is a Sabbath. It's obedience. Um, and, and you get to do that as well, right? There's, there's times where you have to get away. So um, just make sure you stay faithful. But listen, y'all are here on the most beautiful day of the year. So um, I don't have to preach that to you, right? You guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much. All right, so let's begin um, our finale of how to cast. Um, can I just say... As I wrote this message and as I, as I prepared, um, and this morning as I was on my face before God, I just got this overwhelming sense that you were going to be here because God wanted you here. Um, after our first service, I had multiple people come up and say, man, I, I really needed to hear that. And I just get this feeling that, that this is the message that God has for you. So maybe it was an accident that you came here. Maybe it was unplanned. Maybe it was, um, maybe it was an unplanned surprise, like, oh, I'm, I'm free. You know what? I'm going to go check out that church that I've been saying I'm going to. Um, you're here for a reason, and I believe that that reason is that God wants to, to say something to you today. And um, so... A real quick review of, of the art of casting. In week one, we talked about um, the importance of casting our cares on something, throwing it upon something, right? We can't carry our burdens alone. And so um, we have to cast our cares on God. And uh, we talked about 
how in the midst of our complaints, we have to remember the previous God-given victories that he's given us, right? Elijah, in the story that we're studying is 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is suicidal. He's a suicidal man in the Bible. He's suicidal. He's under the broom tree, and he forgot the previous victory that God had just given him because Jezebel, this woman, wanted to kill him. And he gets suicidal and depressed. And week two, we talked last week, we talked about how God teaches us how to cast. And the major thing that we have to do in casting our cares on God is we have to drop our expectation, right? We have to forget about what we want God to do and just let God be God. Drop your expectation of what you expect him to do and just let him be him. Because if I pray and I ask God to do something that I really want him to do and I expect him to do it the way that he's going to do it, who's being God? I am, not him. Now, I believe in the expectation of God to answer our prayer, right? But he answers our prayer in the way that he's going to answer our prayer, not the way that we want him to oftentimes. So we have to drop our expectation. And so um, this week is the finale. And, and we talked about, so the first week we talked about the complaint. Last week we talked about the cast. And today I want to talk to you a little while about the care that God offers us when we are willing to drop our expectations and just let God be God. This whole series about casting is taken up from a play on words from um, Psalm chapter 55, 22, as well as 1 Peter chapter, um, chapter 5 and verse 7. Before we do that, I always like to ask the Father to join our conversation before we look at his word. Can we ask him to, to, to join us today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every person that you've brought here by appointment. I pray that we would come with the expectation of an appointment with you, that that would be our only expectation. Father, that when people leave here today, they wouldn't say that was a great message by Pastor Adam, but they would say, I heard from the voice of God today. Because God, if it's my word, there's no reason for them to obey it, but if it's your word, they better obey it. Father, I pray that today as we seek your voice, that you would speak. For some, it will be a whisper. For others, it will be a shout. I pray that you would speak to us the way that we need to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Psalm chapter 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The Bible is clear that God wants us to cast our anxieties, our cares, our burdens, to place them on the Lord and not on ourselves or someone else. And so that's kind of the idea of the art of casting. But we've been studying 1 Kings chapter 19. It's a story of, Eli of Elijah who becomes suicidal because he had just killed 850 false prophets, 
men that were representatives of false gods. He had stood up to them. He had killed them. And Jezebel, the king's wife, Ahab's wife, was mad. She was angry. And she was so angry that she says to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And in fact, if I don't kill you, the the false gods that I worship, they're going to kill me. So Elijah, the warrior, what happens? He gets suicidal. He's like, God, take me now. This woman is going to kill me. And we learn from Scripture that women have an incredible power over men. That is biblical. It is biblical. He becomes suicidal because this woman wants to kill him. But God, in that moment of despair, teaches Elijah how to cast his cares on him. And it's a way that... Oftentimes, we, we may not expect, God often asks us to do things that we don't expect if we are willing to really listen to, to him and not, not ourselves. So God teaches Elijah to cast by telling him, go and eat something. <laughs> How many you know it's good when God says to eat something? Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> Two words that you want God to give you, eat something and take a nap, right? <laughs> He says, go and eat something because the journey ahead of you is going to be too great for you. Go to Mount Sinai. What's the significance of Mount Sinai? Is that God had spoken to Moses on Mount Sinai and given him the Ten Commandments. And the first step of casting is oftentimes we have to go to where God has already been. We have to go to where, where we know that God has already been. We have to go to Mount Sinai sometimes. He sends Elijah to Mount Sinai. And what happens on Mount Sinai? Elijah goes out. He stands on the cliff. And first, a great windstorm comes by. But God's not in the wind. And then an earthquake. And Elijah trembles, but God's not in the trembling. He's not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake a fire that God had used before because it was fire that God used to kill the prophets, the false prophets. But God wasn't in the fire that time. God doesn't always use what he's used in the past. God was in the whisper. And it was in the whisper that Elijah dropped his expectation of God being in the wind and God being in the earthquake and God being in the fire. And Elijah heard God's voice. Today I want to look at how God cares for us in the whisper. But it requires us to drop our expectation. One big idea for today, if I had one thing to communicate to you, it's pretty simple, really. It's this. When we cast our cares on God without expectation, he cares for us in ways that we could never even imagine. When you drop your expectation and invite God to care for you, he cares for you in ways that you've never even imagined him doing. Sometimes that requires you to do things that you never thought he would ask you to do. 
Let me show you what I mean. Do you remember what that whisper said to Elijah? The whisper said to Elijah, son, what are you doing here? You see, I believe that in that moment, God is saying to Elijah, Elijah, you were never supposed to be wrapped up in your anxiety. You were never supposed to be so worried about what this woman was going to do to you that you wanted to die. This isn't the place where you belong. We're not, we don't belong in our worry. We don't belong in our anxiety. We belong with our Father that cares for us, that cares for us so much better than we can care for even ourselves. Well, we find God's answer. So, so he asks the question, what are you doing here? And Elijah dares to complain some more because that's what we do. When, we, when we're asked a simple question, we just complain more. And then in verse 15, we see how God cares for Elijah. I want God's word to speak this morning. So let's read verse 15. It says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way that you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram and anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah. I I rehearsed that five times, by the way. (laughs) To replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet, I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing them with the 12th team. Elisha was loaded. Like he, like this is wealth. 12 teams of oxen using the last choice the 12th team, he goes on, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. I love how Elijah doesn't even say anything to Elisha. He just goes and he takes his cloak and he just throws it on him and he just walks away. And Elisha knows what that means because Elisha then says, it says, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on, but think about what I have done to you. Think about what, I, what I'm doing with you. So Elijah returned to, to his oxen. He slaughtered them and used the wood to plow, uh, from the plow to build a fire and roast the flesh He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate good. They had a feast and celebration that God was going to now use Elisha. Then he went with Elijah to be his assistant. Can I be honest with you? 
when I'm reading this story and I'm reading about like like Elijah being suicidal and then I'm I'm reading about God's response to Elijah, I'm I'm going, God, I'm not seeing how you're caring for him here. I'm a little confused by by on the surface. I'm a little confused at at the story. And then I took a deeper look. I, I, I took a, a, a look at actually what's going on. Sometimes when we read God's word, and in fact, all the time when we read God's word, we have to be willing to look and read what it's really saying, to take a deeper look. Because when you take a, take a deeper look, you actually see God's care for Elijah. So let me show it to you. I've got just three points this morning that I want to show you how God cares for us oftentimes in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our worry, in the midst of our burden. God cares for us when we're willing to take a deeper look. Three things. The first thing that we discover is sometimes God's care includes sending us back to the place of our pain. Sometimes God's care includes sending us back towards the place of our pain. At at the beginning of the story, it says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way. Oftentimes we have to go back towards our pain. But watch what God does when he takes us towards our pain because it's what he did for Elijah. He gave Elijah two things when he sent him back towards his pain. The first thing that he gives him is a task to complete. He gives him a task to complete. In verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go back the same way that you came and travel in the wilderness to Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram and anoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. Elijah's task was to anoint two more kings, kings of nations that Elijah had served. The thing that a task causes us to do when God sends us towards the place of our pain, the task takes you off the eyes off yourself. When we serve other people, our task forces us to stop looking at us. Oftentimes, the reason why we're so anxious is because we're looking at ourselves. We're thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about the people that we're serving. And oftentimes, when we're anxious about something, the best thing for us to do is to do something for someone else, to serve them. Take our eyes off of us. God says, stop looking at yourself and go take care of my people by giving them a new king. Anoint someone else. So when God sends us towards our pain, he gives us a task so that we take our eyes off of us. The second thing that he gives us is a friend. He doesn't want you to carry your burden alone. 
And in this moment, God knew that Elijah needed Elisha. He knew that he needed someone to not just take his eyes off of himself, but also to help him with the burden of reaching the people. He says in verse 16, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah to replace you as my prophet. In the face of previous pain, God gave Elijah a friend and a successor. The successor was to show him, you ready for this, that the future was bright. This whole thing that I'm working right now, this whole thing that I'm doing, guess what, Elijah? It has nothing to do with you. And the thing is, if we're just wrapped up in ourselves, wrapped up in how we feel about ourselves, we will miss the mark when God gives us a successor for us to look at the future and we'll miss it. He had to take his eyes off of him first by anointing kings first and then anointing the successor so that he knows this isn't about me anyway. The future is bright. And so God is giving him a friend to show him that the future is bright. The second thing that we discover when we're willing to take a deeper look, look, number one, God sent us back towards our pain. Number two, God sometimes uses his care to change our season. Are you with me this morning? He uses his care to change our our season. The changing of a season doesn't mean that God is done with you. Do you ever wonder why God is telling Elijah to anoint his replacement and it doesn't discourage Elijah? I mean, I mean, he goes to the field and he just throws his cloak on him. Right? And he tell, but he tells him, think about what I've just done. Like there's, there's a weight to what I've just done for you. And, and he doesn't get discouraged by the appointment of a replacement. And the reason I believe that he doesn't get discouraged by the, by the, by the replacement is because God in that moment gives, gives Elijah two different things. The first thing that he gives him is encouragement. And the second thing that he gives him is empowerment. Actually, he gives him empowerment, then encouragement. It's empowerment, then encouragement. He empowers Elijah. Get, like, like, check this out. He empowers Elijah by telling him, you know that king? I think his name is Ahab, right? You know that king? And, and uh, Oh, yeah, his, his wife. <laughs> she, she's the one that wants to kill you. I'm going to replace them. And I'm going to empower you to anoint their replacement. I empower you. In the changing of a season, God empowers us. And in the changing of the season, God also encourages us. But watch it in Scripture. You look, at, look, at, look at the Scripture, verse 18. Because I missed this the first time I read it. Yet I will preserve how many? 7,000 people 
in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. You know why they never bowed down to Baal or kissed him? You know who they were following? Elijah, who was pointing them to God. They were following Elijah. And because of Elijah's ministry, 7,000 people didn't bow to Baal. God is saying to Elijah, look at your fruit. And you did it without Instagram. You did it without TikTok. 7,000 didn't bow because of you, man. You're doing great. In the midst of our discouragement, when God changes our season, he empowers us and he encourages us. This morning when I was preaching this in the first service, um, God just kept bringing back the, the memory of leaving our last church where we were, um, where we were youth pastors. And um, God changed our season because he had another assignment for us. And, um, and we moved. And can I, can I just say that that was, like there were some relationships that were discouraged by that by the changing of that season. But, but God gave us encouragement to follow him, and he empowered us to do it. And he did it all along the way. But I never dreamed that in the midst of my comfort, I wasn't worried or I wasn't, I wasn't suicidal. I surely wasn't suicidal. But I was just comfortable and in that comfort, God said, you know what, Adam, I've got another assignment for you. I'm going to change your season. You're going to move. You're going to plant a church in Wyndham, Maine, of all places. And I'm going to make it look far better than you could ever dream of it being. But in the midst of a new season... The thing that we have to discover is the courage for obedience. Because without the obedience, there's no reward. Whatever God's asking you to do, have the courage and the obedience to follow it, and you'll discover the reward. But you don't discover the reward without the obedience. So the first thing that we discover is that sometimes God changes, um, I'm sorry, God sent us towards our pain. The second thing is that he discovered, that we discover a new season. The third thing is that we discover sometimes God's care is another assignment. It's another assignment. Now, I believe that an assignment is a task, a season is a time, Right? And so the two are different. An, an assignment is a task, and the season is a time. So um, 
So Elijah, so, so this story, in order to discover the assignment that God has for Elijah, we have to jump a couple chapters to, to chapter 21. You can turn there. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. All of the, the notes are there, obviously. But, um, but for, uh, 1 Kings chapter 21, what happens is Ahab and, and Jezebel, they have this, this neighbor by the name of Naboth. It's easy to remember, Naboth, neighbor, got it? And so Naboth has this vineyard, and it is like the, the fertilizer is phenomenal, and, and Ahab sees it. It's right next to, to, his, um, to his palace. He's like, I want that vineyard. And so Ahab calls Naboth and says, hey, Naboth, I got an offer for you. And Naboth says to Ahab, he says, uh, how dare I? sell you the inheritance that God has given me. This is my vineyard that God's given me. It's not yours, so I'm not selling it. And so Ahab, (laughs) he goes to Jezebel. You all know Jezebel, right? And he's like, can you believe he won't sell it to me? (laughs) And Jezebel, she looks at him and she goes, are you not the king of Israel? (laughs) Fellas, if you have a lady like that, run. (laughs) run. Are you not the king of Israel? And she's like, and and Ahab goes, or Ahab doesn't say anything. Jezebel actually says to him, I'll get that vineyard for you. You know what? I'll do it. You're obviously not man enough, so I will. And so Jezebel then sends a letter to the town council of of the town that Naboth lives in sends him a letter. And in her letter, she says, call for a fast. And then when you're fasting, call the town together. Put Naboth in this place next to two scoundrels. The version of the Bible that I was reading said scoundrels. I actually really like that word. Two troublemakers. And have them accuse Naboth of cursing God and the king. Jezebel doesn't respect God. She's already mad because her false God's prophets were dead. So she doesn't respect God, but she's putting on Naboth that he's cursed God. And she says, then as a result of their accusation, take Naboth outside and stone him to death. So guess what happens? They call a fast. To put the scoundrels next to Naboth. Naboth curses God, even though he doesn't. But he dies as a result of the accusation to kill him. And so Jezebel goes to Ahab. She says to Ahab, I, I picture her like brushing her shoulders off or like, I don't know, just like, and she says, the job is done. Naboth is dead. And his vineyard can be yours. Go and get it. So guess what Ahab does? He goes to the vineyard to claim it as his. And who does he find there? Your boy Elijah. And that's where we pick up in verse 17 of 1 Kings 21. But the Lord said to Elijah, go down and meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules in Samaria, He will be 
at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself, and give him this message. This is the message that God tells Ahab to give to Naboth. I mean, to um, Ahab. Give Elijah, give to Ahab. There we go. Verse 19. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth. So my enemy, you have found me, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered. I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anyone in Israel. I am going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, and the family of Basha, son of Ahijah, for you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, <laughs> the Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. What a tragic story. But watch what happens. Verse 27, but when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothes, dressed in burlap, and he fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message came from the Lord to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Your enemy has humbled himself before me because he has done this. I will not do what I promised during his life. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. Elijah's next assignment, the very next assignment right after his depression was to rescue his enemy. Because his enemy saw God's judgment, and what did he do? He turned from what he was doing. He repented. He humbled himself. He repented. He said, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. And God said to Elijah, do you see how humble Ahab is? Because he's humbled himself and he's admitted he was wrong. He's repented. He's turned to me. And that's what I reward. I reward turning from sin and turning to me. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Repentance always leads to salvation. 
And the truth is, is that sometimes your depression, your, your depressive state, your, your, your anxiety, your care, your burden that has you wrapped up in yourself, when you take your eyes off of you and you point it to God, God says, you know what, I'm going to use you to rescue your enemies. I'm going to use you to bring hope to this world. But what happens when we're looking at ourselves, we go, but God, I don't like my enemies. I don't want them rescued. And you know what God says when he looks at us? But I do. I want your enemies rescued because I want to prepare a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. Because my hope is for everyone, not just for the people that you get along with, but for the people that you hate. My message is for everyone. And that message is when you turn and you admit that you've done wrong, you can have a relationship with the Father. That's what God's care does. Because God's care rescued me. And because God's care rescued me, it can rescue my enemies, the people that I don't like. I love when I just let God's word be God's word. Because that's when it speaks to me the most. I hope and I pray that whatever care, whatever burden, whatever worry you've had, that this morning as you drop your expectation and you just let God be God, that he would meet you where you never dreamed that you would be. And he would take you to places that you never imagined you belong. Stay on your feet. I want to pray with you. Are you glad you came to church this morning? I asked that in the first service and two people clapped. I love you guys. And I'm, I'm thankful that, that God had this appointment for you and this assignment for me. When, when you submit without expectation, God meets you right where you are. But the one thing that scripture is clear that we must do in order for him to meet with us is we must repent. We have, to, we have to say, God, I'm wrong. I've done wrong. I'm turning from what I've done or what I'm doing, and I'm coming towards you. And when you do that, he walks with you, he talks with you, and he shows you which way to go. So the question for all of us today is what's your next step? Where is it 
Do you need to, to just give him the cast? Do you need to give him the care? Or do you need to repent and say, I've done wrong? We've got our doors open to my right, our next steps area. Someone is there that wants to pray with you. They wanna help you discover what that next step is. But if that next step is repentance, I wanna help you with that. Do you need to repent? Do you need to say, God, I'm doing wrong and I need to come back to you or I need to come to you for the first time? Would you bow your heads? If you need to repent this morning, would you write where you sit? Would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I've done wrong. I know I'm doing wrong. God, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm coming to you. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, past and present and future. Come into my life. Give me a relationship with the Father. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And give me a new identity in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, just fill out that card, mark it, drop it off in our next steps area. We got a Bible we want to give you. We love you so much. I am so, so glad you came today. I will see you in three weeks. I love y'all.